good morning. Is everybody doing good this morning? Glad to see you here. I would believe that God has given us a word to share with you this morning. Uh, so let's just pray before we get, we begin. Uh, Father, we are so glad and grateful uh, for your love and for your forgiveness to us. Thank you for giving that freely to us in Christ. Lord, we thank you um, for this building. We thank you that we can come yes. and sit here in peace and listen to a message, hear your voice. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning as we open up our ears today. Our desire is to hear your voice and follow your leading. This is why we gather together. We want to know you, Lord. We don't want to just be the hearers of your word. We want to be doers of your word. And Lord, uh, what I, we think about what is happening in the Middle East, mm -hmm. what's happening over there in Israel. Father, we do pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for that whole area. We do stand with the people mm -hmm. of Israel, Lord, for the sake of them being your chosen people. And yet, Lord, we know that there's all of Israel, most of Israel is not even saved at this point. But you do promise us in your word, Israel will hear the gospel. Yes. And Israel will be saved. And so we pray for peace, Lord. We pray for justice. We pray that the pain that people are experiencing over there, whether they're Palestinian, whether they're Jew, Lord, you want all people to come to know you. Yes. Come into the knowledge of your salvation. And so we pray for a spirit of repentance to hit that area, Lord. Let people, as they in those tragedies, let their pain, Lord, in, let the pain turn their eyes to you. Give them hope, Lord. We just sang that song. You're our living hope. We pray for a spirit of living hope from you, Holy Spirit, would blanket that area. Yes. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we were spoke with you last week um, about are you a fan or are you a follower of Christ? And I hope you've been thinking about that if you heard that message. And we're going to speak a little bit more about that today. Are you a fan or are you a follower of Christ? Gave it some thought. Because when you read the Bible, um, you soon realize that God longs for a personal relationship with you. And he's pursuing you. Yeah. Whether you realize it or not, the love of God is pursuing you in that relationship, and he wants some sort of response. He'll pursue you till you give your, have your last breath on this earth. And it does take a response from us. We are saved, the Bible says, by grace through faith. Mm -hmm. And this is not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. But our faith is an has to be expressed back to God. There needs to be a response back to God. And uh, as we continue to read the Bible, you know, after we become believers, we also find that in following Jesus, if we take him seriously at his word, mm -hmm. it really becomes the most demanding, I would say, and difficult assignment of our lives. Yes. And you're going to say, well, why do you say that? I thought coming to Christ would be you know what I mean? <laughs> because as we're going to get into some of this today about being a follower, he doesn't just want part of us. Right. He doesn't just want part of you, of you, of your heart. He wants all of us. He wants all of you. He isn't looking for a fan. You know, the church isn't meant to be a bunch of people getting together and we rah, 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 Jesus. And then we just kind of leave and do whatever we want during the rest of the week. And we come back every week. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. And then we sort of forget what it even means to be <laughs> a 
follower of Christ. He doesn't want just a bunch of fans getting together on a Sunday morning. He wants to create passionate followers yes. of him. This is what the story of the Bible tells us. So in doing that, in wanting that, he desires a personal relationship with you. And it's based and rooted on his love for you. Hallelujah. It's not based on, well, you just need to love me because I'm God. We love him. We saw that in 1 John because he first loved us. Yes. So, but for many, this idea of a personal relationship with Jesus can be scary. It can be scary. He's God and we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that we are sinners saved by the grace of God. We and, were. Well, we, we were so. sinners, yes, and we are saved then by the grace of God. Then we become new creations Amen. in Christ. Hallelujah. But we still, when we first come, that's hard to get through our head. That he sees us as pure and holy and righteous because yes. he gives us his righteousness. We still look at ourselves with all of our flaws. And we do have many of them after we come to Christ. We've got yeah. some refinement that God wants to do in our lives. Amen. I mean, none <laughs> of us have just felt like I got it all together. No, because when we come still before God, we tend to feel like, oh, he's going to see and know me as I am. Mm. And how can I talk to him? What do we have in common? And really, to get to know what we have in common is just to read this. This is how yeah. you get to know what we have now in common. But I think some of these are common feelings that many people have after you become a believer. Like yeah. I think it's often why we're afraid and we resist coming close to him. How do I talk to God? How many of you have felt that way? Mm. I think we've all, if we're honest, would say, I don't know what to say to him. I don't even know how to talk or pray to him. And I believe we struggle often because we have a hard time believing in this deep, abiding love that God has for us and that he genuinely wants a personal relationship with you. Right. It's like you still want to go like, I don't get it. Who's God? <laughs> and many of you, um, like me and Pastor Steve, came out of a church environment I was Catholic, you were Lutheran. Lutheran. Yeah. I mean, some of you might have been Baptist or some Protestant, Methodist. And you come out of a background where speaking to God was primarily done through pre-written prayers and responsive readings. Right? You say the priest or the minister says this and I say this back and I read this back and he mm -hmm. says this and I say this. How many of you have been part of services like that yeah 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 so speaking to God was done primarily through pre-written mm. responsive readings that you picked up on your hymnal and something in, in a pew there mm -hmm. and this was considered sufficient prayer to God and in a sense it was prayer to God but let's face it you know I think although those pre-written prayers had meaning and you could read them if your heart was really connected to what you were saying, you know, but I think that very often our hearts would disconnect what we were saying right. and many things were just done repetitiously, robotically. You say this, I say this. I mean, I grew up Catholic, went, you know, all until high school and I could recite those. We, we would, my brother and I would play church at home. <laughs> 
because he was an altar boy, you know, so he would pretend he's lighting the candle, and he would say things, and I would do the, the Lord is with you, yes, and with your spirit. We'd pray. We would know all those responsive things to say. <laughs> but you have to think to yourself, they don't, those responsive prayers aren't really expressing your genuine heart to God, are they? Right. They're just saying something by memorization. Your, your heart could be a million miles away, but you could be reciting it like a, like a parrot recites something back. And then God is not looking for that kind of relationship. Correct. He's looking for something personal from us. And this is where I think it gets scary. <laughs> We've been a pastor enough, you know, for enough years that, and I was that way. I remember when I first went into church and, some, and <laughs> coming from a Catholic background in a prayer meeting, I was like, don't ask me to pray because I don't think I, I don't know what to say. Would you say something from your heart? It was like, I don't even know what to say from my heart. How many of you have ever? <laughs> I, if you're honest, yeah. unless all of you have been such wonderful prayers, and I want to see you here on Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so there was a lot of silent prayers, you know, that went on, right? Silent prayers, if you can really call silent praying. I mean, it is praying. But, yes, but here, uh, James says if you pray without faith, you're going to receive nothing. He says if you pray in faith, then you'll receive your request. And the Bible declares this is faith. This is the spirit of faith, is that you believe in your heart. And you speak with your mouth. So... And then when Jesus, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. What did he say? He said, say. He yeah. said, say. <laughs> Our Father, he said, say. He's talking about verbalization. He's saying, you're going to hear what you're saying. Can God hear and understand what you're silently speaking? Yes. yes. He knows your thoughts are far off. Yeah. And that's why you better renew your mind so that your thoughts are pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's what we want to do. But even that, you know, we can make a the repetition of the Lord's Prayer almost meaningless. Uh, yeah. Pastor Mamie would be telling me that the Catholic, if you go to confession, you say... Well, you know, for your... Hail Mary? Yeah, you go say ten... I guess depending on how bad your sin was, <laughs> you know, you say five Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. And, and your brother would say, Our Father, we're going to have an you. I'm not here. Put yourself and go. And so this is a scripted prayer, and this is how people grew up and learned how to pray. You know, these were just pre-written and you just aped and imitated them. You were a parrot, you know, and what God wants is your heart. He doesn't want pre-scripted prayers. There's many times when these prayers don't even make a connection with where you are in your life at this time. Mm -hmm. And so what God wants is this real relationship between you and him. He knows he knows what's going on in your life. So you might as well just say, man, this is a mess, and I don't know how to get out of it. And now God is saying, finally, we can start making progress. 
<laughs> and that's what we have to do. You know, if we just are silent with God and, and just praying silently, and we think that that's going to really build that relationship, try that with your wife. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nodding, shaking head. Could be like shaking you. Yeah. Did, did you figure out what I wanted for dinner? It doesn't work. But when you think about like pre-scripted things, I mean, it's sort of like actors and actresses. Yes, there I, you I think go. this is why the church over the years has just become so much religious formality. Hmm. And it's been jokingly called, like, we're the frozen chosen, mm -hmm. right? Stiff people coming in, going through the motions, afraid to say, you, you know, I, and this is, I think, when people come into our church, and it's become more common now, but, yeah. I mean, our church obviously has some, we, we encourage worship, lift your hands, speak something out of your mouth. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Because it's encouraging your personal relationship with the Lord. Otherwise, if we just kind of stand there, it's like that silent thing. Well, you know what I'm thinking, Lord. He's like, well, why don't you show me how much you love me? And I think this is what the hard part is. We've been going through the motions, mm -hmm. and especially, you know, I think growing up here in Butler, there's, it was hard. When yeah. I first walked into a church that they lifted their hands and somebody would say, hallelujah, it was like, wow, <laughs> you people are radical. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're radical. And that's what Jesus wants, yeah. amen? But yes. Jesus, we don't want to just draw near him. Like Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said, you draw near me with your lips because people can go through just the motions, yeah. but your heart is far from me. Mm -hmm. he, doesn't, he wants our heart to be close to Come him. Come on now. And so again, having grown up in this area uh, in Butler, and I do believe that Butler has a kind of religious spirit over this area. I do believe that. Uh, that keeps everybody sort of wanting to just be, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of, break out. Show my love for God in a real living way. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to just come into church and, and want to just kind of stand there and, or sit there, say some responses. But our heart, we want to. I think many people go like, I want to. I remember whenever we got around people that lifted their hands, it was like, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, you know, <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to like really let go. But there is a barrier that we break. I'm telling you, once you start, yep. it's like in the spirit, some, uh, some kind of religious spirit gets pushed out of your way. It's like, ha, I took ground. It's like, yes. you're not going to keep my hands down. Jesus That's said, good. even if the rocks will praise him, if people don't, right? And so the Lord... This matters to the Lord. It's, yep. it's just like what Pastor C was saying. You're silent. You're silent. Try that with your spouse. You want to say, talk to me. I did. I did once, <laughs> men. I gave you my five words, and that's it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done for the day. <laughs> but, you know, often we come into church then, and we this is what we're trying to do is help people learn to express their heart mm -hmm. to God and feel comfortable doing it. And even when you come here, like if you came into Community Life Church, and after all those years of, of being in church, we give an altar, often churches didn't give an altar call. That was all new to us. Yeah. 
when we began to go into non-denominational churches. It was just like, wow. And then the response, there was an expectation to give a response. Yeah. Raise your hand, tell him. Well, once people got used to that, it, there, it was as though once the atmosphere in the church, people, there was something that the Holy Spirit was doing. It seemed like people got freer to do it. And you saw more and more people raise their hand, more and more people willing to give their life to Christ. Yes. But I know when you, I know many of you say when you came to this church, and you, you might have realized I've been going to church all my life and I'm not even saved. No one ever gave a, what we call an altar call or explained the gospel and said, it really demands a response from you. Yes. Like Pastor Steve was saying, if we believe in our heart. Well, I didn't say it. Uh, well, the the Holy Ghost says, said it. Yeah. I just quoted it. I mean, because once again, in denominational settings, and now this is not about mm -hmm. bashing denominational no. churches, but it's just to clarify doctrine. It's taught that if you baptize a baby, that baby is saved. But it's not scriptural. Can't find it in There's the no Bible. baby that's ever spoken as a three-month-old and said, Jesus, be my Lord. <laughs> it doesn't happen. And so when you come into a church like this and we say, respond. Yes. Say yes to Jesus. I, it, for some reason, it's, like, it's really hard for people. You feel the tension? Uh, many of you have, right. people in, over the years have said that. It can be very comfortable or uncomfortable to break out of that formality. It's like I want to respond, but it's just hard for me to open my mouth. And so we want to help break that barrier. Yes, we want to help break the silent barrier the silent with Jesus. Barrier, yeah. it's, it's true because, listen, our relationship with Christ is, is first and foremost is rooted and grounded in his love for us. Yeah. We love him because he first loved us. That's the key. You know, it's deep. It's unconditional love. It, it, it's it's freeing love when we receive it that's for sure when we understand that he loves us faults and all yep. he already knows it we can't hide it from him when he when we realize he already knows this he still loves me mm -hmm. he wants me he actually paid the ultimate price for me that's when the fear of rejection diminishes. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Right. Because in religion, we, we think that we have to do something before he'll love us. Right. <laughs> because what we want to do, we want to be, this is, this is how it works. This is how religion works. I have to be perfect in my actions. And when I do all this and the I is dotted and the T is crossed and I double check it and I'm rigid and stiff in my relationship with God, then he's going to love me. I've performed enough for him to love me now. That's, that's where we all grew up. We think this. But the Bible is clear. He says he loves us. He loves, he loves Hamas. Listen. He loves your enemies. Do you understand this? Actually, he loves them so much that he's asking you to pray for your enemies so that their eyes would be open so that they could be saved. Yeah. 
Man, this God is incredible. He's perfect in all his ways, and we all know we are not. And so what do we want to do? We want to try to put our best face forward. But he already knows all the ugliness in us. But listen, if you've given your life to Christ, guess what he's done? He's made you a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away, all things become new. And if we continue in our faith, he's, Jesus is able to present us to God the Father, holy, blameless, without fault. In Colossians it says, all these decrees that were against us, they've nailed to the cross. <laughs> Praise God. Look at what it says there in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. If this is the first time you're here at Community Life Church, we want you to understand the Bible, and so we're going to have you open up your Bibles. If you need a Bible, uh, just raise your hand, and the ushers will uh, serve you with one of those. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 comes right after Romans chapter 7. Come on. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 verse 38 this is, this is really incredible when we understand God loves us this much it's not like he overlooks our, our failures and our faults and our sins he doesn't do that you know what he'll do he'll show them to you and say this really isn't who you are don't be tricked this isn't who you are. That's what's so awesome. Because we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Yes, and we're going to live that way. And the only way to find out how to live that way is through the Word of God. And our foundation of all this to be free is to understand His love toward us. Yes. And it says here, verse 38, For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, now we look at that again and it, does it say anything about what you do here? No, it's not on our own merits. And just like what Pastor Mamie said, as she was quoting uh, Ephesians, by grace are you saved through faith. And that is a gift, not of your own works. Yeah, do you understand? Yeah. It's a gift from God. And we, we believe it. This is by faith. Now, remember what faith was? I believe in my heart and I speak with my mouth. I speak with my mouth. That's faith in action. That's how, we, that's how we're going to walk closer to God, by speaking words, telling him how much we love him. Our prayers, our prayers are what? Spoken. Jesus says, when the disciples said, how teach us to pray. Say. <laughs> that means you have to talk. Say our father. That's right. <laughs> So we're talking about salvation, which is based on what Jesus did for us. Yes. Salvation is not 
does not come to us by trying to be so good that God says, wow, you, you know, you're welcome into my kingdom. Mm. It's all based on what Jesus did for Amen. us. Amen. And so our righteousness, we're going to look at one more scripture about this. It's in 2 Corinthians 5.21. I mean, this is a wonderful truth. One of my favorite scriptures. It says, for, for wait, he, wait, I hear, yeah, okay, I hear, get, get those I, pages going. I love to hear pages turning. If you have an app on your phone that makes it sound like you're turning pages, put that on. <laughs> And turn the volume up. <laughs> turn the volume up. <laughs> but our, our right standing with God, our righteousness, which means, I mean, right standing with God means equal to his perfection. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's I want to say unbelievable, but we better believe it. Yeah, man. <laughs> this is based in love. It's based on what he did for us. Yes. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he made him, this is the Father, made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Glory! That is a scripture you should memorize and say to yourself. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for me that I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, like a great exchange took place Ooh, on the cross. Yeah, Praise Jesus God. took on your and my sin penalty, and then in exchange, he paid the penalty for our sin in exchange that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. Were, did you do anything to deserve that? No. In fact, we were dead in our sin. Right. We couldn't do anything to deserve it. But love motivated God to do that for us. (laughs) For the sake of why? For making it possible for us to have a relationship with him. Otherwise, sin cannot stand in the presence of perfection, a holy God. And so God made a way for us to be able to stand in his presence, righteous and holy. Yes. As though we never sinned. This is an amazing truth of our salvation. This is why Paul wrote in Ephesians, and we talk about these prayers in our prayer meetings, and I think we might have mentioned it last week, Ephesians 3 is one of the prayers that we take from the Bible that Paul prayed for the people in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, about being rooted and grounded in God's love, that we would know the height and the depth of that love, how Mm. wide and deep and long that love is, and that we would pray that we would understand it. Yes. Because the more we believe in this and understand how our salvation came and his deep love for us, the more we trust him. Yes. Don't you love somebody more and feel like you want to be closer to somebody who loves you unconditionally? Isn't it like looking down and noting every fault and oh, thing yeah. that you, you move towards somebody yeah. that you feel like they love you? It's easier to do. And then we become freer to express yes. ourselves with that person. Or we should, yes. because we, it's, it's trusting that this person's not going to reject me. Many of us struggle with a fear of rejection, yeah. because we've had been rejected by people, adults, parents, teachers, co-workers, bosses, and so we can sometimes struggle, people in authority, it's like they're going to reject me, well, God is the ultimate authority, right? Amen. And yet he's saying, I see everything, and I love you. Mm. I want you to come close to me. 
And so with that kind of closeness, there is a genuine warmth or there, or there needs to be. Yes. With communication, it's not robotic. We go back to these repetitious prayers. <laughs> I love you. You love me. That's enough for now. See you later. <laughs> like, how, how close do you want to get to a person like that? Not. No. Yeah. I mean, when there's love and warmth in a relationship between yes. two people, there are spoken words. There needs to be spoken words about feelings, about concerns, about mm -hmm. the future. This is how we learn to talk to God. And sometimes I think some of our relationships with our closest people aren't that way. And this is why we have a hard time mm. doing with the Lord. We get sort of stunted even with our spouses or people close to us in expressing our feelings. He's the lover of our soul. But he is the lover of our soul, right. He loves us like a bridegroom yes. loves a bride. This is pretty amazing. And he's after all of your heart. Mm -hmm. He longs for a relationship with us like that. You know, if we, if we get a hold of this, and this is what the Ephesians prayer helps us with. Ephesians chapter 3, you got to look at it. And, and we, he's asking that he, it's a prayer that we understand this love. It will stabilize our life. It yes. will solidify our identity. You'll understand this is who we are because this is what God has said. He has made us too. Listen, you are so precious in the eyes of God that the ultimate gift was given for you personally. Yeah. For you. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. He paid your penalty for all your sins and he was happy to do it. Yes, he was. Because his love that. was amazing toward you. Yeah. We don't understand. See, but when we understand this love of God toward us, it changes everything. It really does. It awakens our heart, really. It causes our heart, our life, really, to, to blossom because we're rooted in his love. Yeah. And it makes us want to follow him even closer. It makes us want to be with him. And this is why when we understand this, we want to help you break that silent prayer habit. I mean, you could just drive down the road and just... I love you, Lord. Mm -hmm. That's a good start. Yeah. It doesn't work with silent communication. You know why? Because you're also training yourself this way. You're training yourself... To hear your voice, express your love to Jesus. And when you do that, you become more than just a fan of Jesus. You become a follower of Jesus. We don't want to be on the sidelines when Jesus walks by. Yeah! But then when we're personally with him, we go. <laughs> you, see, you see people who are fans of superstars. I mean, you know, Taylor Swift and all of her Swifty fans. I mean, I see this stuff, you know, scrolling through things, and I think these people are in a screaming frenzy on the sideline, ah, you know, like this. But, like, if she ever did invite them into her house, like, come and have lunch with me. I mean, everybody would be tongue-tied, like, 
I don't want to talk to her. Like, I don't know what to say to her. Like, what would I, what do we have in common? Right? This, we do the same thing kind of with Jesus. Jesus, I love you from a distance. And then it's like, well, talk to me. It's like, I don't know what to say. And really, we actually probably need some enthusiasm like this, like those Swifty fans yeah, come on. in here. Right? We're in the presence of the almighty God, the king of kings. We're in his very presence, the Lord of all creation. Oh, we're screaming, yeah. 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 You know what? He's calling you. He's calling me to know him and to be free into expressing ourselves and who he is. And if you mess up, so what? Yeah. We will mess up. Yeah. Thank you, John. We will mess up. But you know what? That's a first start of being devoted to him. Yeah. I mean, what kind of Christian should we be? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. 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 You know, he is, but you know what he says? He's looking for disciples. Yeah. Is your microphone, is this, can you hear his mic good? It seems like I hear mine. I just want to be sure it's recording. It's recording? Okay. All right. I know he's screaming. Maybe you're turning it down. <laughs> he's being a fan. Well, yeah, because Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. Yes, he does. You know, That's we, right. He wants us to know him. He really does. He doesn't want casual believers even. He wants disciples. Yeah. And look at what it says here. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And where's that? It's the first gospel. First gospel. That's right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 28, verse 18. This is Jesus after he rose from the dead. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And what's it say? Go therefore and make go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. This is the commission for all churches. Go and make a disciple. Not a convert, a disciple. Not a casual believer, a disciple. That's the primary purpose of Community Life Church. That is what God has called us to do. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And we're not going to be embarrassed about doing it. Amen? Right. And you, you shouldn't be embarrassed about following it. Because you're more than a follower, you're a disciple. <laughs> you're not a statue, you're a wild person. Yeah. 
<laughs> see? You got to light a fire and people just come to see people burn then, right? It's like, <laughs> but we come, we do come to Christ as we are, but he loves us too much to let us just stay the way we are. You know, we're talking about salvation is not based on your works, and it's not. Right. Yet, after we are saved, we are saved unto good works. And this is part of his desire for us to become a disciple. Mm -hmm. And this is according to his purpose. I want you to look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. Go back to, back to Romans. Back to Romans. Yeah. This tells us that our purpose, yep. you know, we, we, say, we have our mission statement know god find purpose experience life well finding our purpose in christ isn't about just figuring out what i just feel like i want to do with my life after i give my life to christ there is a primary purpose that we have after we know god yes. romans eight twenty eight clues us into this and it says and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to whose purpose? His purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This tells us that being conformed to the image of Christ, becoming more like Jesus, is the purpose for our life. And you can be a disciple if you, want, if, you, if you say, yes, I want to be a disciple. This is the journey he'll take you on to be more like him. And you can be a disciple of Jesus no matter what your occupation is, no matter what your call is in this life. It doesn't mean that to be a disciple means, oh, no, I have to become a minister. No. Moms and dads are disciplers. They're, your children are your first disciples. Yeah. Truly, they are. But you, you can be a teacher, a mechanic, you can be a doctor, electrician, blue collar, white collar, whatever it is. Those are occupations where you take your purpose from God into that setting and you let it be known. You influence that setting for Christ. And so knowing Jesus, of course, b begins with that personal confession of uh, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, be Lord of my life. And we do that again out loud, which can be scary. But then once you do it, it's like, hey, this is not so hard to start talking to God. And then we go on the purpose yes. to be conformed to the image of Christ, to become a disciple. That could scare people too. What? You want me to be like that serious about this? Yes. I didn't say it. He said it. Right? Even better. <laughs> And it really is pastors of the church. This is our role. We talked about our role is to equip you for the work of ministry. Well, it's actually to help you to become a disciple. That's really in a nutshell what we're all gathering here for. We want to be disciples. Otherwise, we just come together to be a fan. I'm not interested in being a fan. Yay, Jesus. And No, I'm, if I'm going to do this, right. let's go all the way. Let's make it real. And what is a disciple? Yeah. It, this is going to come up on the uh, PowerPoint. A disciple is a learner, someone who adheres to the teachings of another, someone who takes up the ways of someone else. A disciple of Jesus is someone who learns from.
from Jesus and his word how to live like him. The truth is, after we become believers in Christ, if we take him and his word seriously, we're going to realize that following Jesus is the most demanding and difficult thing in our lives. Remember what that scripture says? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So he, then he's going to help us. He doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us, folks. Yeah. He isn't looking for a fan club. <laughs> he's looking for devotion, obedience, and really, he's looking for a loving relationship with him. We yeah. 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 And, and Jesus' ministry. What does it say? How many times did he even make great multitudes follow him? Great multitudes follow him. You know, yeah. miracles. Of course, they followed him all through the country. They, they saw these miracles. They saw the blind being eyes opened and the deaf are healed. The lepers are, are healed and cleansed. Lames walking. Even raising the dead. And then he multiplied food for 5,000 people. A couple of times. Think about it. What is it that had to be like? You know, Listen, lots of people were following him around. Seeing those miracles, wouldn't that excite you? Yeah. Luke 14, 25 through 33. This is pretty amazing. Jesus putting on a goat, uh, church goat seminar right there. <laughs> Luke 14, 25 through 33. It says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned around and said to them, If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Listen, after he has laid the foundations not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still great far away, he sends a delegation to ask for conditions of peace. So, likewise, whoever does not forsake all he has cannot be my disciple. These are strong words. Yeah, these are dividing words. <laughs> He's telling us what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, we tend we tend to think that you know you see these pictures and you look at them and you think this they they're paintings on the wall and stuff. You see Jesus, you look Sam Leon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's and gentle and gentle little M. And this is what we think.
you know, we, we don't think that, you know, like the scripture does say, he's a stumbling block, a rock of offense. And Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace to the world. He came to bring a sword, a division between family members. <laughs> His message was divisive. It separates, and he's separating today in greater ways, yeah. in very plain, distinct ways. But we want you to be not a fan. We don't want you to be a fan. And that's, that's really what the separation yes. is about. Yes. It's a separation between a fan and a follower. And so... It's going to cost he, you your life. Yeah, I think... I, I feel like this has gotten really loud all of a sudden. <laughs> he tells the crowd, though, think about what he did. This is not like the... He's, he's not going to gain more of a crowd by turning and talking to everybody this way. Yeah. He tells this crowd of excited fans, I mean, to stop and think about what it's going to mean if you really want to keep following me and the cost that it's going to be to your life. Yeah. And when he says hate mother and father and he says this word hate, he doesn't mean sinful hatred. Right. He's not asking us to literally hate our family. He's, he's making the comparison to loving less, like the word is meaning like to love less. Like in other words, my love for my for my husband even and my children cannot be greater I cannot put them before my love for the Lord he becomes the highest one that I am wanting to please in my life even your own life if, up to even my own life yeah and you know it's interesting how this what Jesus says here we need to hear we need to have ears to hear and ask ourselves do I want to be a disciple? Do I understand the cost and what he's asking? Because when we first come to Christ, it can often seem like every, you feel the burden of sin lifted. You feel this freshness and sense a new season in your life, like your prayers are getting answered. And it seems like everywhere you look, you can feel like God is talking to you. Have you ever felt, did you, do you remember feeling like that? If you've been saved for a while, when you look back in your life, you're excited to come to church. You know, you're excited to be around the people of God. Yes. And, and, and we get on this kind of this high plane. It's like we want, we expect it's going to always be like that. And anybody who's walked with Christ for a number of years will tell you, you will go through valleys. <laughs> you will go through valleys with the Lord. And I think the Lord wants us to know that. That following him, there will be a cost. That he, when you come to him, I think these people, this crowd are like, he's going to fulfill all of our desires. Look at everything he's doing for us. And we could hear the love of God message and just feel like, well, when we hit that valley, his love went away. It did not go away. You know, and then when he tells them, you're going to take up your cross, bear your cross and follow me. That's a startling statement because in that culture, you know, today we wear a cross as jewelry. People get a tattoo. It's like art. But in that culture, it was not jewelry or art when you mentioned bearing your cross. It was actually an instrument of what the Roman state would call torture. Right. Now think what he was saying. Bear your cross. would be like, what? <laughs> They knew what that meant. Yes. 
So to tell his followers to come after me and be my disciple, you will bear a cross. It wasn't going to win more follow. It wasn't just going to win these casual believers. In fact, it was going to thin the crowd out pretty quickly. And he's basically saying the path is going to get narrow and it's going to get under pressure and obeying me in the long run is going to get very hard. Yes. Are you ready for it? Are you calculating the cost? Think about it. Because the scripture also tells us many through even the parable of the sower that it, people can start out that second soil. Yay! It's the, it says the fruit springs up quickly. But then when pressure comes on account of the word, and this is what happens. You come into church and you hear something and it steps on your toes. You hear about how a lifestyle isn't pleasing to God or you hear about how you need to forgive and all of a sudden it's like, I don't like that. Well, you have a choice there. Either I should go deeper and more humbly towards God and become more like Jesus or I could just modify my approach, right? And just say, well, I just, I can come. I can make it look like I'm a part of this, but really in the end, you're a fan. Yeah. In the end, you're a fan. And I, and I think God needs to open up our eyes as a church. Is it? Thank yeah. You. That when we come to Christ and we want to become a disciple, and if the purpose is to be conformed to the image of Christ, he will prune us. You know, you want to prune off dead things in our lives. Often we don't realize they're dead. And so at first it's like, ow, this is, what are you talking about? <laughs> How many of us have gone through that with the Lord? And then it just seems like you hear it from this angle and you hear it from this angle. Well, you can make a choice and go, I don't want to do it. Right. And the Lord is a perfect gentleman. He will not make you to become a disciple. This is a love relationship of, of a response back to him of saying, I bow my knee to you, Lord. Yes. And help me, give me grace to change. The truth is, this world has nothing yeah, to offer yeah. us. And so, a believer, you know, let's put this up on the screen. This is our, one of our last things here. A believer, and we're calling a believer someone who believes in Jesus as Savior, but just lives to please themselves. Mm. But a disciple is somebody who believes in Jesus as Lord and lives to please God. And so when you move from being a casual believer or a fan into a disciple, your relationships with people will change. Yes. This is the cost. Yes. Like when we put Jesus first in our life, you get a few people around you, like people in the church that will be like, yeah, good thing to do. <laughs> but many people around you will become confused, especially in your family. They'll be like, What? Don't, get a, don't be talking to me about all that Jesus stuff now, right? Some, of you, some people will think you've lost your mind. I mean, count on it. We have to count on this happening and get used to it. Yeah. Because at some point, every believer is going to have to come to grips and decide what's more important. Am I going to live my life to please other people? Yeah. Or am I going to begin to live my life to really please God? These are important questions. Because I could still come to church, right? but I could just do my own thing. I could modify my approach. I could come late. I could skip worship. I could maybe not really give very much in the offering. I could fall asleep. I, could, I can't 
can't wait to get out of here. When's this thing going to be over? And then walk out and feel like, well, I did that. God's happy with me. That's that old religious thinking. That's right. I checked the box, yeah. God. I went to church. Come on now. But God's looking for your heart. It really doesn't matter that we just show up. What matters is, am I, am I living my life to please him? The truth is, a disciple, we, we live extraordinary lives. We have a connection with God the Father, the one who created everything we see, everything that's unseen. We're raising our kids to know about eternal life. Yeah. Everything we see will be gone. At some point. At yeah. some point, everything we see yeah. will be gone. Everything. And then where do you stand? On the word of God. Uh, if when we stand <laughs> on the word of God, we'll be able to stand when nothing is here. And God himself has called us to be part of the Holy Trinity. He wants that relationship with us. He wants it that close. You have an extraordinary call on your life. And God freely gave it to you. And we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. But he's empowering you to do it. This is a remarkable life. We're involved with the greatest mission that this world has ever known. Yeah. You want to give your life for a, a cause? Give your life to Christ, you know, and make Jesus known to a lost and dying world. Yes. And, and for all eternity, you'll be rewarded for it. Too many of us just live for this day, just here and now. We judge everything by the natural. But when you set your eyes on Jesus and you see what he's done for you, he's made you a child of God. He's made you a new creation. He's welcomed you into his family. He's yes. gifted you. He puts the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, the Worship. great and mighty Holy yes. Spirit, to help lead and guide us through this life so that we can be overcomers mm -hmm. and be, again, rewarded. Be, be a part of his millennial kingdom, and for the ages to come, who knows what else God has for his children. <laughs> That's going to be great. You know, and so we close the message just by reminding ourselves that even though salvation is free, it's a gift from God to be received. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you receive it, after you receive it, and walk, it's going to cost you. It'll cost you actually your life because eventually yeah. you read in scripture, it says, give me, he says, I want all of you. I don't want just a part. I want all of you. And we may not even know what that means, but something inside of your heart hopefully is saying, I want to give you all my yes. heart. That's all, that's all the step that it takes. Because really, you belong to him. Scripture is, <laughs> tells us that he wants us because we do belong to him. He paid a price for us. We belong to him. So your body is his. Your career is his. Your money is his, really. Your family is his. Yeah. Your time is his. Your talents are his. It all belongs to him because you belong to him, and, and he's given himself to you. And this is a love relationship that is based yes. on. And so, yes. you know, many people believe in Jesus but few are true disciples. And he's calling you this morning. Do you want to be a disciple? And that's all. He, and it needs a response. Yeah. 
I, I would pray that, and we've been praying over this service, over this message, that hearts would be responsive, that you would not sit there and just be silent in your heart before God. This is the day the Lord's made. This is the day of salvation. Yes. And so just let's just bow our heads and give, give the Holy Spirit an opportunity just in the privacy of your own heart there before God. Are you hearing him to call you to be a disciple? Maybe you've already said, I've done that. I've, I've, I've given you my life. I've made a commitment. Well, then you could just recommit yourself to say, I'm going all the way with you, Lord. I'm putting my hand to the plow. I'm not looking back. I want to become even more passionate for you. Yes. This is not good enough. I don't want to have just, I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to give you all of my heart. And then maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't, I, I've been a, I'm more of a fan than a follower. Today's your day to make yes. a decision. You want to be his disciple he's asking you the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts do you want to be a disciple he'll take you on the journey and if you do if your heart says I do I want I, I don't even know it all what it all means I want to be a disciple right just heads are bowed eyes are closed nobody knows what you're doing but you and the Lord right do you want raise your hand if you want to be a disciple if you want to be a disciple, raise your hand. Raise your hand. You're doing it before the Lord. Yeah. You're not doing it for anybody else but Him. Yeah. Is there anybody Glory in to here God. that wants to be yes, a disciple? Yes, I see those hands. Praise God. A follower of Christ. Yes. He'll give you the grace to do it. We see yes. those hands. You're you're letting Him yeah. know. You're letting Him know. Yes. And this is a way that you're not keeping silent. Lord Jesus, have all of my life, not yes. part of it. Everything is yours. I surrender my life completely to you. Hallelujah. And for those of you that maybe still feel like a little scared to do this, it's like it's, I don't know what it means. I'm still, you're feeling intimidated by it. Our prayer for you is that in the days ahead, the Holy Spirit will pursue you in love. Until there's a surrender. Until, until there's a surrender of heart that says you're falling into his arms of love, really. Yes. And you don't want to put this off. You don't want to put this off and just say, well, I always have time. The devil likes to do that. Put it off. Put it off. You don't have to give it, do it today. But, you know, there are some people that walk out of here today and you don't know what would happen to you today. And you don't want to end up in front of Jesus. It's like, why was I so intimidated? What made me so afraid? It's the, it's the spirit of darkness that's holding you back. And so I want to ask one more time, a show of hands. Do you want to be, tell Jesus, do I want to be a disciple? Anybody else who wants to join us? Yes, yeah, lift your hands. Yes, lift those hands. Yes. I thank you, Lord. Praise God. That power in the spirit. I bind up that dead religious spirit that's holding people back. I thank you, Lord. Worship you, Lord. And I pray, Father, for those people that have the courage to raise their hand, Lord. Walk with them, talk with them. Make yourself known to them. Draw them close to you. May they speak to you, Lord, today. 
with a tender passion and heart and hear you speak back to them. Lord. Yes. We thank you, Father, for what you've done in the hearts of people today. We give you glory and honor.